what I'd like to talk about today is prayer. Uh, I was looking back through my notes and it's been about two years since I talked about prayer. And we often do that in a couple of different contexts. I know when Ray talks about it, he talks about it in the context of praying positively to get things to happen. Things we've both learned from a guy named Charles Capps, and that's good, but that's not how I'm going to talk about it today. One of the things that happens in lots of, especially mainline denominations, is they have sort of come to the conclusion that a lot of the stuff that happened in biblical times is not for today anymore. Sort of like uh, gifts of the Spirit that Tim was praying about. That those were during the book of Acts and it's just sort of gone away and doesn't happen anymore. And I'm going to suggest, of course, that they're not correct. And I'm going to suggest to you why it seems that way. Now, I was listening to a preacher years ago, and I don't remember his name, but he said that he has tremendous admiration for churches that don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit but still worship God. I mean, that's more faith than I have. In other words, if you don't get sort of reinforced in your belief, how do you go through an entire lifetime worshiping somebody that doesn't ever answer you? Think about that a minute. That's tremendous faith. And I feel sorry for them that they don't understand, but I have tremendous admiration for them that they keep plugging along. That's really kind of interesting. I will say one other thing. I'm going to explain something as if I understand it, but understand that somebody who says he understands God is a fool, and I'm going to explain it like I understand it, but understand I don't understand it. The model that God has given us to relate to him is the model of a family, and God describes himself as a father. So what I'm going to suggest to you is if you look at the way God deals with his creation as if you were a father or a parent who is raising children, you will get, I think, a pretty good understanding of what's going on. Again, with my caveat, this is the model he's given us, and so I'm going to explain it in the light of that model, but understand that there's a whole bunch more stuff there that I don't understand, and quite frankly, neither does anybody else. So... What God did when he made the world is he created something that wasn't him. In other words, before he created the world, there was just God. So he creates it, and in order to do that, he's got to make a place for something that isn't him. The analogy there, again, in terms of a family, is a woman's womb. The thing that's popular to say these days is my body. Well, yeah, it is your body, but... When you're carrying a child, you have created something inside of yourself that isn't yours anymore. It belongs to the child until such time as the child comes to fruition. And God sort of did the same thing with the universe. He created something that was a space for somebody else that was not him. And he then becomes to the people there as a parent. Now let's look at what a parent does. So you got a little kid. And the first thing you got to do with that little kid is nurture it and protect it. Because early on, the little kid can't do much for itself. And I will suggest that that corresponds to the garden. God as a father put the child, us, in a garden and put us in a place where we'd be nurtured and have everything we need so that we could grow and mature. And of course, like any toddler, we messed it up. That's what toddlers do. The next thing is 
a parent provides what I will call startup information. You got to provide a certain amount of teaching and training because people don't come issued knowing what to do. I mean, they've got certain stuff built in. They know how to nurse and they can, you know, their bodies work and that kind of thing. But they really don't know anything. And in that sense, people are very different from animals because animals come born knowing a whole lot of the stuff that they need to survive. People aren't that way. People have to be taught. And so I will suggest that the early part of the Bible, the Torah and so forth, corresponds to that training, if you will, give them sort of the basic rules, tell them how to behave and, and that kind of thing. As the child grows older, the child starts to differentiate himself from his parent. I'm not my parent. I am a being in my own right. And so what the parent then does is starts to give them guidance. In other words, backs up a little bit. You don't need to change their diapers anymore. You don't need to feed them anymore. You don't need to do all of the basic stuff. Now what you're going to do is you're going to come alongside and you're going to guide them along and you're going to back out a little bit. You're not going to be quite so close. And then the final thing, when the child reaches adulthood, what the parent does is forms a relationship with the child. No longer is the parent doing stuff for the child because the child at that point should be doing stuff for himself. He should be out earning a living, should be out getting his own food, should be out forming a family, doing all the things that adults do. And so the relationship between the parent and child now becomes, I'm not doing stuff for you anymore. I'm not coercing you to do things anymore. In other words, when you get out of line, I don't swat you anymore. Those kinds of things. Your relationship is now a relationship. So I'll suggest to you that the Bible lays out exactly that sequence between humanity and God. So at the beginning you've got the garden and then you've got the Torah where God downloads all the info. This is how to live in this world. Early in the Bible what you have is direct hands-on intervention by God. And we see that in the book of Exodus. We started today. God goes out and directly intervenes and grabs Moses by the stacking swivel and says, all right, I want you to go do this. That's very much toddler kind of relationship. And if you look at the later parts of the Bible, what happens is God seems to be backing out. And I'll suggest to you that that is because he is letting humanity mature. And in fact, by the time of the return from the Babylonian exile, some 400 years before the time of Christ, there's a period when God seemed to be silent. There's no prophecy. Remember before that, you got prophets like you read in Isaiah. But after that, for about 400 years, there's no prophecy. So God is again backing out. He's becoming more subtle. Then he sends his son. Fulfillment of prophecy and so forth. And his son walks among us and is sacrificed. But then you've got the book of Acts, which is again giving us information about how the Holy Spirit works. That's what the book of Acts is, is. How does the Holy Spirit work? How do you relate to God when you don't have the physical presence of Yeshua and when you don't have the direct intervention of God in the world, fire falling down from heaven, burning bushes, plagues, you know, all that kind of stuff that God does early in the Bible. Later in the Bible, it gets backed out. And finally, what you wind up with 
is instructions on the Holy Spirit that you're to go forward with from there. What I'm going to suggest to you then is prayer serves a number of functions. And I will suggest, by the way, that before you start praying, you figure out what it is you want to accomplish. Now, one of the things that is in the gospel, and it's in Luke 11, Yeshua's disciples come to him and say, Lord, teach us how to pray. Ding, 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 ding. Prayer is a skill that can be learned. Again, you got your little toddler, and you got to teach your little toddler a whole bunch of basic stuff. And what I'm suggesting to you is that prayer is one of those things that God has to teach us so that we know how to do it. And then once we do it, we become able to relate to it. In other words, we can pray as individuals. He's an individual. I'm an individual. I'm way bigger than I am, way more powerful. I'm not comparing myself to God. But he's an individual. I'm an individual. And we can communicate. Because what God wants is a relationship to someone who is mature, not a toddler that he has to continually change diapers for. The goal, if you will, is somebody that is not God, us, that he can then relate to. That's why he created us. But it takes a process to get us to the point where we can relate to him in a way that is pleasing to him. Now, when I say... It's a skill that can be learned. Every skill that I know of requires practice to become good at. Now, there's two kinds of practice. There's practice that is not precise and doesn't, in fact, lead to mastery. It's simply dull repetition because you're not doing it right. And then there is precise practice, which is you're doing it the way it's supposed to be done, and then you become more skillful. Practicing doing it wrong doesn't make you more skillful. It just makes you more wrong. It's sort of like skiing, you know. I mean, you get up on top of the mountain, you strap the boards to your feet, and you get to the bottom. Well, there are some people that do it with a lot of style and panache and are really good about it. And there's some people like me that just sort of wind up at the bottom in a snowball. Now, I can go up and down the mountain over and over again, but if I always wind up at the bottom in a snowball, I'm not getting any better. So how do you figure out how to do it? And what I will suggest is that God gives you Scripture. He gives you examples. He gives you prayers that have been spoken by people in the past that have been written down for your benefit so that you can look at those things. Oh, that's how it's done. The other thing, by the way, is when you pray, it's really important to understand the Word of God because if you're praying something that God doesn't particularly want, then again, you're wasting bandwidth. So you've got to know what it is that He wants. And where you get that is, again, from Scripture. And sort of a sidetrack here. When I say Scripture, I'm talking about written Scripture. I'm not talking about what some pastor 20 years ago said to you. Because there is a lot of baloney that gets spoken from the pulpit. Done it myself. Okay? Then they've done that. And so when you're trying to find out what it is God wants and what your authority is, go back to Scripture. Don't rely on some radio preacher or something that you heard or something that somebody says because there are a lot of things that sound really good and really pious that are just junk. And your only source is Scripture. So, when you pray, there are potentially three 
beings involved? Certainly God. Number two is you. Number three is people who hear your prayer. One of the things we have in this congregation is this time of corporate prayer and time afterwards when people will bring petitions and prayers. So certainly you're talking to God, certainly you're talking to yourself, but you're also talking to the people who can hear you. And prayers have different functions, different goals. And I will suggest the first one and perhaps the most important one is fellowship. Fellowship with God. Remember, I said that as he raises you up and wants you to become an adult able to relate to him, one of the purposes of prayer then becomes fellowship. And what you can do is you can praise him. You can also confess your sins. When you've messed up the fellowship between the two of you, you can work to get that relationship back. Or you can just talk to him as you would talk to another person. So one of the big purposes of prayer, I will suggest, especially between you and God, is fellowship. And when you're praying, by the way, in a community like this, another purpose of the prayer is fellowship within the community. Because the community can say, oh, somebody else is thinking about the same things I'm thinking about. So fellowship is one. Comfort. You know, when you're in a place where you need to be comforted, praying to God and explaining to him that I need to be comforted. Praying in a group. I need to be comforted. And people can come around and help comfort you as well as the Spirit of God can come down upon you and comfort you. The next kind of prayer is petition. That's where you need something or you want something. Want and need, by the way, are two different words. They're spelled differently. And there's nothing wrong with wanting stuff that you don't need. I mean, that's okay. I'm not suggesting that there's anything wrong with that. I'm simply suggesting that that's different from something you need. So petition, that's where you're asking for something. Declaration, and that's one that we've talked about in the past, but it's really important. Declaration is where you are simply saying something about God, either in a group or to God. Classic example of declaration is the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You all know it, you probably can all recite it. There is no petition in there. David is not asking for anything. He is simply making a declaration. And he's declaring what his relationship is to God and God's relationship is to him. So declaration is extremely important. And one of the things that declaration does is it builds up your faith. So as I declare what God has said about me, about us, about himself, as I declare that, what I'm doing is feeding my own faith. And as I declare that in a body here, what I'm doing is I'm feeding the faith of the body. And then the final one is what I'll call seed. And what you're doing there is you're exchanging information with God. Now, A lot of what people believe about God comes from a collision between Greece and Jerusalem. At the time that the New Testament was written, Jews were heavily influenced by the Greeks. So you have all these omni things, omnipotent, omnipresent, omnisentient, omni, omni. That's Greek. And one of the things that we provide to God is something that he cannot make for himself. What we provide is somebody who's not him. What we provide is somebody to love him. In other words, 
if I just love myself, then that's cool. But if I love somebody else, now I have a relationship. And without that other, love doesn't mean anything. The other one is respect. I respect God. I respect people. And that's not something you can give yourself. But the other thing we give him is novelty. New stuff. So, Ray paints. So Ray takes the stuff of the earth, you know, charcoal and minerals and stuff like that. He gets it mixed with, he probably doesn't mix them himself anymore, but they used to. And all of a sudden you have this thing of beauty. You have created something new. And as you speak and you pray and you talk to God, what you're doing is you are creating something new that is part of the reason that he created you. Is so you could do that. I can't think of anything more boring than knowing everything all the time. I mean, certainly we cause him grief and pain, but I'm sure we're also endlessly entertaining. I'm very serious about that. And I think that's one of the reasons he created us. And in order to have a sense of humor, by the way, you have to have somebody to share it with. So one of the things that God wants from you is your creativity. He wants you to tell him things that you've learned, things that you've made, things that you've created, things that you have made out of his creation that are completely new and he hasn't thought of. And the other thing that happens, by the way, is he gives you ideas about things that you never thought of. It goes both ways. He's way smarter than you are. He's got way better ideas than you have. So as you enter into a relationship and you talk to him, you will get stuff back, which he expects you to use. Go out and use it. I gave it to you. Use it. I've given you the gifts. Go out and use them. So what I'm suggesting to you is that there's been a process in Scripture. And it starts off with us, humanity, as infants, toddlers. And that maturation process has gone now to the point where God's interaction with us is much more subtle than it was early in the Bible, certainly. We very rarely see fire falling from heaven anymore. Sometimes you wish it would, but, you know. But that's seldom. And then we have the example of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts where he gives you a jump start and says, this is how it works. And so now what he's done is he has backed out a little bit and he's saying, all right, now I want you to use this stuff to relate to me. I want you to use this stuff to make the world better. I want you to use this stuff to build up your faith. I want you to use this stuff to build your community. And oh, by the way, God is not a helicopter parent. You all know helicopter parents, right? Well, the problem with a helicopter parent is the child never grows up. The child never becomes mature and able to stand on his own two feet and become a separate human being who is capable of doing the things that God wants him to do. And so one of the things that happens when we're praying is, God, why don't you do this? And God's up there saying, "Uh, you can actually do that for yourself. And it seems like thundering silence from heaven. And when you get thundering silence from heaven in response to your prayers and petitions, step back and think about it. Is this a problem I can solve myself? Or 
is this a problem that I can solve for somebody else? Let me give you an example. One of you is sick. And the scripture says he should come to the elders of the church who will anoint him with oil and pray. And the prayer of the faithful will heal the sick. What did I just say? What will heal the sick? The prayer of the faithful will heal the sick. You're supposed to do that for each other. And again, God is not a helicopter parent. And sometimes that seems very frightening. But if you're to mature and to become the person that God wants you to be, he has got to step back and let you fly. Because if he doesn't, you'll never become what he wants you to be. One of the things that somebody said is Paul, actually it's in the book of Hebrews, so we're not sure it was Paul, but I think it was Paul, says we should go boldly before the throne. God wants a relationship with you. He wants you to come in and talk to him. He wants you to tell him the things that are going on in your life. He wants you to present to him your creations. The new stuff that you've done that he hasn't thought of. He wants all of that from you. And the vehicle for that is prayer. And so prayer is not just asking for stuff. It's much bigger than that. And if you're stuck on asking for stuff or you're stuck somewhere, go back and read the book. Because practicing doing it wrong doesn't make you better. Practicing doing it right is what makes you better. And if you're not sure what that is, go back and read the book. Or talk to somebody around here whose prayers you admire. And everybody has prayers here that I admire. But you're not all the same. It'd really be boring if you're all the same. It'd be boring to God, too. So, pray. <laughs> 